This is The Celluloid Ceiling, a podcast about women in film, starting from the early days of Hollywood all the way up to modern cinema. Take a journey with me, your host, Becca, as I explore all the different facets of filmmaking and all the amazing women making these films. Hello and welcome back to The Celluloid Ceiling, a podcast about women in film. I'm your host, Becca. If you happen to hear any crinkling, that's because my hair is in a um, cap because I am dyeing my hair. <laughs> so I am clearly la- too lazy to wait to wash my hair to record this, but what better time to actually just sit and wait for this dye to set than record a podcast? Um, I hope that everyone is staying safe and healthy and well in this bizarro and weird times of quarantine and just overall weirdness. Anyway, uh, with that fun stuff out of the way, let's just get to it. So this is going to be the first episode where we are moving into our next topic of wonderful film women, and that's going to be the editor's topic. And so let's talk a little bit about the history of editing in film. So film editing wasn't something that began with the advent of film. In fact, most films or moving pictures were just things happening in real time and then ending. <laughs> the first film to ever involve editing was Come Along, Do in 1898 by the British filmmaker Robert W. Paul. This was the first time uh, a film actually included more than one shot, which is pretty crazy. Uh, could you imagine watching a, a for real long take today? I mean, not the fake ones that we see where, once again, thank your cinematographers and editors for being able to do that, but just seriously, like, not cutting from anything. Like, that has got to be rough. So editing is for continuity, and that means making sure that things make sense in the frame, uh, and that ended up being called continuity editing. So slowly, special effects started making way into the fold, which led to a lot of editing and involved from there. Editing became part of the post-production process thanks to that. So the act of editing actually had people literally cutting and gluing together the workable print for the film. So the whole idea was that you cut out the bad bits and that's considered a below-the-line job. And uh, below the line refers to the payment budget document that you make in pre-production. Everybody who's not, they're not, not, not saying that you're not as important, but that's where the saying came from. You're below the line. So to think of it in a visual form, when you watch the end credits of a movie, you see individuals have their own mention. Then you see everyone else grouped together in the masses. That means they're below the line. So because cutting and slash editing was seen as unskilled labor, men thought it was too much like knitting. So this actually became a woman's art. You actually find a lot of women editors still today. In fact, I'm one of them. (laughs) But there are many directors who use only female editors because they believe that they have a better eye for storytelling. And this has been one of the only traditional female-focused and centered film jobs semi since the beginning, at least since the beginning of the studio system in the United States. So that's very exciting. Now that the history lesson is out of the way, let's talk about the first ladies of editing, or cutting as it was called. Um, As a side note, it's kind of sad because these are early early days of editors, so there's not a whole lot about them. Uh, Just keep that in mind for now. So our first editor is going to be Anne McKnight. Anne McKnight was the first woman film cutter in the United States. She cut over 20 films from the 1910s to the early 1930s, often working with editor George Marsh. 
She began her career as an editor at Vitagraph in Brooklyn in 1913 and went uncredited in many of her earliest jobs. That's kind of a symptom of older Hollywood. There's a lot of people who are uncredited for things. She later worked at the Film Booking Offices of America, and her last credit was on Smart Woman in 1931. With her being one of the earliest editors, it's really hard to get any information about her, and she's often actually confused for an actress by the same name who was murdered by her husband. So there's actually, I mean, there's obviously a lot more about that because of the scandal. So, But that's the first woman editor ever in the United States. So let's move on to our next woman, and that's going to be Viola Lawrence. Viola was born in New York, and she is considered to be the second woman film cutter after Anna, or Anne. She was known as Anna or Anne, and the first woman cutter ever in Hollywood. She started working at Vitagraph Studios in Brooklyn as a messenger at age 11. At age 12, she was holding title cards. She edited her first film in 1912 and would work with Universal, First National, Gloria Swanson Productions, and Columbia Pictures. She became Columbia's supervising editor in 1925. She edited Samuel Goldwyn Studios' first sound film, Bulldog Drummond, in 1929, then rejoined Columbia in 1934, where she remained until 1960. She has 101 editing credits. Holy crap! <laughs> Including The Lady from Shanghai in 1974, In a Lonely Place in 1950, the musical Pal Joey in 1957, and she received an Oscar nominations for Pal Joey and Pepe. Lawrence also actually edited two of Dorothy Arzner's films, which we talked about Dorothy in our er, director's uh, episode, Craig's Wife in 1936 and First Comes Courage in 1943. Her last film was the big budget musical comedy Pepe, and she actually ended up marrying her editing teacher, Frank Lawrence. You're going to see a pattern of women who are the first to edit sound films, because much like how men didn't want to direct sound films because they sounded complicated, men sure didn't want to edit them because they sounded even worse to do in the post-production process. Because you got to imagine that you have to sync up all the sound and who knows if they actually used any um, slates or clappers. I'm sure they had to use slates and clappers, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure that that process was a whole lot. <laughs> Our next film cutter is Anne Bouchens. Anne was born in St. Louis, Missouri. And after working on Cecil B. DeMille's We Can't Have Everything in 1918, she was the only person the director would allow to edit his films. She continued working with him until his death in 1959. Bouchens was the first woman to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Editing for Cleopatra, which was a film that came out in 1934, and was the first woman to win the award for Northwest Mounted Police in 1940. Bouchens is credited with editing 41 films directed by DeMille and 20 more films with other directors. A few other films she worked on are The Ten Commandments, The Greatest Show on Earth, Samson and Delilah. She was trained in editing by DeMille, but not everyone thought she was a great editor. In fact, Margaret Booth, who we're going to be talking about in just a minute, said, Anne Bouchens is the oldest editor in the business. She was editing years before I came into the business. DeMille was a bad editor, I thought, and made her look like a bad editor. I think Anne would really have been a good editor, but she had to put up with him, which was something. Ooh, the uh, tea was being spilt there, Miss Anne, uh, about you by Margaret Booth. We're not going to hate on her. That's not what we're about in this podcast. We're going to celebrate all the wonderful women of Hollywood. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Up next is Branch Sewell. 
Sorry if I pronounce any of these names incorrectly. That's just unfortunately the name of my game. <laughs> but Blanche was born in Oklahoma before moving to Idaho and then LA. She, in her early days, often turned down acting jobs, but ended up working as a negative cutter. She then went on to work for Marshall Nealon at First National Pictures as an assistant editor, working on his 1922 film, Minnie. She also worked as an assistant with Viola Lawrence in 1921, who was considered the very first female editor. She worked with Lawrence on Man, Woman, Marriage in 1921. She started working for MGM, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, from 1925 to 1949, and started editing her own films in the early 1920s. She has 63 editing credits, including The Wizard of Oz in 1939, The Big House in 1930, Ziegfeld Girl in 1941, The Pirate in 1948. Sewell edited MGM's first all-dialogue dramatic film, The Trial of Mary Dugan, in 1929. And a fun fact, Blanche was also Walt Disney's sister-in-law by marriage. Her editing style was said to have packed a punch as she enjoyed editing together action scenes to keep her films interesting. Because of this, she was in high demand. She worked on editing new films every year all the way up until her death in 1949, and through her life and career was a big influence on the community. John Stanley Donaldson, a protege of Herbert Raymond, said that Blanche had an intuitive ability for cinematic pacing to strike the proper tempo and temperament. Here we go again with another sound film being edited by a woman. That's literally our theme. Our theme for directors was um, them taking on heavier like themes and things and feminist themes. Theme for women editors is doing a lot of firsts like editing the first sound films. On to our next lady of editing and that is Margaret Booth who I mentioned earlier. Born in L.A., she began her career working as a patcher at D.W. Griffith Los Angeles studio after graduating high school. Booth began working as a film joiner and was later promoted to negative cutter. Film editor was first given to Booth by D.W. Griffith, so I'm not sure if he coined that term or not. <laughs> uh, she worked with John Stahl and received credit for cutting his films beginning with The Dangerous Age in 1923. In 1924, Louis B. Mayer merged with Metro-Golden to become Metro-Golden-Mayer. In a staff of 24 cutters, Blanche Sewell was the only other woman. Clearly, Margaret had no hard feelings to Blanche like she did to uh, Lawrence. Booth began editing films for other directors such as Fred Niblo, Robert Z. Leonard, Jack Conway, and Sam Wood. She would later become the supervising editor at MGM from 1939 to 1968. Some highlights of her work include Wise Girls 1929, Mutiny on the Bounty 1935, which was nominated for an Oscar, a Yank at Oxford, 1938, The Way We Were, 1973, and The Goodbye Girl in 1977. Booth was a supervising editor and associate producer on several films for producer Ray Stark, finishing with executive producer credit on The Slugger's Wife in 1985. Booth received an Academy Honorary Award from the Academy Motion Picture Arts and Sciences in 1978, making her the second longest-lived person to have been given an Oscar and the first picture editor to receive an honorary Oscar. She died in 2002 at the age of 104. Even when she was not editing films, every film made at MGN had to go through her. She had the say on the final edit, which is such an amazing amount of power. How do I become Margaret Booth's status? <laughs> in 1983, she was awarded the Women in Film Crystal Award for Outstanding Women, who through their endurance 
and the excellence of their work have helped to expand the role of women within the entertainment industry. In 1990, Booth was also honored with the American Cinema Editor's Career Achievement Award. So that's pretty much it for our amazing female editors and cutters of the early days of film. But also don't forget Dorothy Arzner was an editor before she was working as a director. Remember we talked about her editing Blood and Sand in that uh, director episode. I know for directors we have three episodes about them, but I will only have two and a few mini episodes about uh, the art of editing. Uh, because it really only started in the mid-years instead of the very early years of cinema. So next week we'll have a mini-episode about the space queen herself, Marsha Lucas. Uh, I know there's not a lot about each of these women, which is a symptom of losing history, but also not a lot of old Hollywood or the film industry in general kept a lot of records. And like I said, they didn't credit people properly, so it's really hard to find a lot of this information going back to the early days. There are going to be quite a bit of amazing editors that I'm going to talk about in the second full episode about female editors, but I'm sure that when you're watching television today uh, or films today that you see all sorts of cool and amazing editors uh, who are women and not sponsored or anything by any show, but I actually have a friend who was a alum of American University where I got my master's who is editing the show Penny Dreadful, uh, which is really cool. So she's on the new, she's editing the new Penny Dreadful show. So if anyone out there watches that, look for, look for Emily Hall. She's out there editing that. But like I said, next week, we're going to do a mini episode about Marsha Lucas and the woman who saved everyone's favorite space drama opera, space drama opera, (laughs) Star Wars. Uh, So thanks so much for listening. Stay safe, wash your hands, I guess bake a lot of bread in quarantine, have a couple shots. Uh, Until next time, thanks guys. This has been The Celluloid Ceiling, a podcast researched, created, and edited by me. Special thanks to my dad, Mark Castaneda, for doing the music. 